Welcome to Weight Loss And, where we delve into the world of weight loss. I'm Jim Hill. And I'm Holly Wyatt. We're both dedicated to helping you lose weight, keep it off, and living your best life while you're doing it. Indeed, we now realize successful weight loss combines the science and art of medicine, knowing what to do and why you will do it. Yes, the and allows us to talk about all the other stuff that makes your journey so much bigger, better, and exciting. Ready for the and factor? Let's dive in. Here we go. Well, welcome to another episode of Weight Loss And. Today, we're going to tackle the topic of what is metabolic success and weight loss. And to do that, I'm very excited to welcome our guest today, Dr. Sam Klein. Sam is one of the world's foremost experts on obesity in general, but he's done a ton of research on metabolic consequences of obesity and weight loss. Let me tell you briefly uh, a little about him. He has a lot of titles, and in academia, they give you titles rather than a salary increase, and Sam has a ton of titles. He's the uh, William Danforth Professor of Medicine and Nutritional Science at Washington University in St. Louis. He's director there of the Center for Human Nutrition and the chief in the Division of Nutrition Science and Obesity Medicine. Now, we've talked before about the NIH-funded Nutrition Obesity Research Centers. There are 11 of these nationwide. We have one here at, in Birmingham, Alabama, but Sam also has one at Washington. He's the director of the NORC there. And Sam, you and I have known each other for a long time. I can't even remember not knowing you. And you really are one of the people that I would turn to who knows the most about the metabolic benefits of weight loss. So let's dive in. January is a time for New Year's resolutions, and weight loss is always at or near the top of that list. So we know that becoming overweight has a lot of negative consequences, and some of these can um, can be helped by weight loss. So what are the top metabolic issues that overweight and obese people suffer from, and how can weight loss help? It's a very important question, Jim, and weight loss is a critical underlying cornerstone of therapy of people who are obese with obesity-related metabolic abnormalities. These abnormalities are very common in people who are obese, and they consist of having increased plasma triglyceride concentrations, low HDL cholesterol concentration, resistance to the action of insulin in terms of regulating glucose metabolism and other metabolic functions, uh, also having increased fat in your liver, which is called now metabolically dysfunction-associated steatotic liver disease or muscle, it used to be called now alcoholic fatty liver disease, and prediabetes as well as type 2 diabetes. All of these are important risk factors for coronary artery disease, stroke, and heart failure. And so by treating people who are obese, by having them lose weight, really reduces these risk factors and ultimately can improve survival if you lose enough weight uh, over a period of time. And I should mention one more thing. We often focus on the metabolic abnormalities, but we should remember that these metabolic abnormalities, which are risk factors for heart disease, there's also important effects on quality of life. And that's being able to function, being able to move. Inter well, Sam has evolved. Good, I was going to say. I was, you, you, Holly you was going to ding you on that one, Sam. She was waiting to spring a trap. Well, yeah, yeah, because you asked me about metabolic abnormalities. So I have to put them, I moved from Neanderthal to caveman. 
because we, we talk about this a lot. So I love it that, you know, we got all, you got all those titles and then you were able to man all those big words, people like that metabolic, they all sounded really good, but in a nutshell, what is it? What do they not want? What's that metabolic issue? Is it make, what's the end result of having all those things, Sam? Like, why should people care? Yeah. So these are things that affect multiple organ systems at the same time your pancreas, your liver, your blood vessels, your heart. And so metabolic abnormalities or dysfunction of multiple organ systems, and even your kidneys, you know, renal failure and kidney disease, all of these lead to disease, impaired quality of life, and shortened uh, duration of life. But not only the, a decreased duration of life, but a decreased health span. And so not only uh, are you alive less du uh, duration of time, but also the quality of your life suffers because of the medical complications that you have from obesity. This is a major public health problem in the United States and now many other countries worldwide. So because obesity affects so many systems, is it true that with weight loss, you can get improvement in many of these systems? So rather than you know, managing one thing at a time, diabetes, uh, uh, cholesterol, lipids, et cetera, weight loss can actually do a lot of that. Weight loss does it all. And so weight loss improves multi-organ system function. It improves your metabolic health, as we uh, discussed, which is a, a wastebasket you know, kind of term. Uh, but it depends on whether you have metabolic abnormalities to begin with. There are people who are obese who are metabolically healthy, who are obese but have normal blood lipids, normal blood glucose, normal blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera. When they lose weight, they're not going to benefit from the metabolic effects of weight loss because they're already healthy. So you have to be unhealthy to benefit from weight loss. That in involves the majority of people who are obese, but there are a subset of people who are healthy obese that won't benefit metabolically from weight loss, but they very well might benefit from joint pain, physical function, and who knows what other diseases that are associated with obesity that might benefit that have not been studied as well. And they might look better and feel better. And that's okay too. Yeah. That's all right too. They, they all can't look as good as Jane Hill, but they, that, that's, that's a goal we all strive for. And I, I, I like your toupee, uh, Jim. It looks really good. <laughs> what about prevention, though? So maybe someone doesn't have any of those metabolic diseases that you, you talked about at the beginning. What's the likelihood? Could they develop them in the future? Or once you, if you don't have them, you don't have them. You don't need to worry about it. No, it's a very good question because it depends on how you define metabolically healthy obesity. But a large percentage of people who are metabolically healthy obese, we won't go into the definition because it gets kind of complicated. And there's more than 30 different definitions in the literature. So no one know, no one has a good definition. But about half of those people may tran transition to metabolically unhealthy obesity over time. And so those people, uh, anyone who has excess body fat and is obese should really look to reducing body fat and body weight which will reduce the risk of developing these diseases in the future. But the aggressiveness of therapy, if you're going to put your resources into something and you only have a finite amount of money, maybe should direct, be directed more to the people who are at the highest risk than those at the lowest risk. But does not mean at all that people who have metabolically, quote, healthy obesity should not be losing weight to prevent a transition over time. So if someone is out there listening, Sam, and they're on three or four medications, they're taking medication for diabetes, a medication for uh, lipids, a medication, several other medications, what could they expect from weight loss? And 
How much weight loss are they going to need to see an improvement? Yeah, so it's also a very good question. So people taking medications for diseases associated with obesity will likely need to reduce those medications or maybe even stop those medications if they have significant weight loss because that will improve the underlying pathophysiology of the disease that's causing these abnormalities. The amount of weight you lose really depends a lot on your goals uh, and, and outcomes really depends on your goals. So even a little bit of weight loss, four or 5% body weight loss will cause improvement in multiple organ system functions. So you'll see some improvements in reducing your plasma insulin concentrations, insulin sensitivity, meaning insulin's ability to function. You may also reduce your blood triglycerides, increase HDL cholesterol, and decrease blood sugar. But if you have type 2 diabetes, for example, you can even go into remission with adequate amounts of weight loss, depending on how severe your diabetes is to begin with. But that requires a greater amount of weight loss. And it looks like somewhere between 15 to 25% weight loss can put people with obesity and diabetes into remission of their diabetes, meaning they have normal blood sugar concentrations without the need for medications. So if there's someone sitting out there, can you predict who's going to get the biggest bang for their buck if they do this? Yeah. So in general, there's incredible heterogeneity in the response to weight loss therapy, meaning some people lose more weight and less weight. Some even gain weight during weight loss therapy. There's incredible heterogeneity there. And there's also incredible heterogeneity in the beneficial effects of the same amount of weight loss. But it seems like that the worse you are to begin with, the better the effect you'll get of weight loss. So if you have a high blood sugar or prediabetes, you'll get a better beneficial effect of losing weight than if you have a normal blood sugar and a normal glucose tolerance test without any evidence of prediabetes. Well, that's, I think that's some good stuff, right? Because, okay, if you're in a sense, the worse you are, the better the outcome for you. So that I think is kind of motivational. Like, okay, you're not too far gone. Actually, the farther, the farther along you are, perhaps the better. The, now you can be too far gone. So if you're way off the end, then weight loss may not have such a beneficial effect. So if you have severe diabetes for many, many years and real dysfunction of your pancreas to make insulin, that may not come back. But if you have run of the mill, you know, diabetes, eight years, nine years, your pancreas function will improve with weight loss. You'll make more insulin for the same amount of glucose challenge than you did before you lose weight. Um, and then we don't even know about the beneficial effects on reducing the risk of cancer so well, the beneficial effects on sleep apnea. We're not talking about those other things besides the direct metabolic effects. And don't forget also dementia. Cognitive function may also be related to insulin resistance and obesity. And so it's potential that losing weight and improving your metabolic health will reduce your risk of getting Alzheimer's disease in the future as well. All these are areas that need more study. Sam, I can't think of anything that could be more powerful on overall health than dealing with excess weight because it affects so many systems. And what you've shown in your work is more is better. Obviously, I believe that 5% weight loss can help metabolically, but you know as well as I do, 5% is a tough sell for most people. They look at 5% as not very successful. But now we, we've done a previous podcast on the new weight loss medications, but now there's, there's a real option for people to achieve an amount of weight loss that can very impressively improve their health. Yeah, so I think the goal should be with weight loss therapy is to improve your health, not to lose weight. 
or to get to a certain weight. It should be, what do you need to improve your health? And so there are different levels of health improvement, and it would vary from person to person. That requires a discussion with the patient, a doctor-patient discussion of what are their goals, how much weight do they want to lose, and for what reasons. Uh, That's very important to understand to make sure that people are realistic. With these new medications, which are very difficult to get, as you know right now, um, we have extraordinary results on average of people losing a lot of weight. But some people don't lose much weight on these medications. We don't understand why. And some people lose an extraordinary amount of weight. Then the question is, how much is enough? In terms of metabolic health, as we mentioned, once you get to 15 to 25% weight loss, you might have maxed out the beneficial effects of weight loss on metabolic health. Uh, you know, And that might mean that you're still not a lean person uh, after the end of that 25% weight loss, but you'll be much healthier than you were beforehand. And, you know, I agree. I think metabolic is, is a great goal and, and, and health and all of that. And I'm all for that, but I don't, I don't believe that has to be your only goal. And I don't know that that's what you're saying either. I mean, there are people who are motivated because they want to look different in a pair of clothes. They want to be able to hike the Grand Canyon. They want to be able to do things with their grandkids. They want, and that to me is just as important. And so it's an, and situation the metabolic health and what else you want to do with your life and and how you want your body state, which is kind of the new term. I've gotten rid of weight, Sam, too, too, too much baggage. Your body state, you know, to be is what I think really is, is motivating and allowing people to say, okay, you get to choose, you know, doctors don't choose for you. You get to choose what's important to you. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that um, this has to be a discussion with the doctor and patient regarding what are your goals? And the goals would include not just improving your health, but also improving your physical function, your ability to interact with your family, do things that you want to do, reduce pain in your knees, uh, for example. All that's taken into account. And that requires a discussion negotiation with the physician, but also putting in some realism into what's possible with the tools that are available. And some of these tools are really powerful, but they're not available. They're not, they're too expensive. They can't be afforded uh, or the patient doesn't want that tool. For example, bariatric surgery. Very few people get bariatric surgery who are eligible for bariatric surgery uh, for various reasons. So you can't force someone to take a treatment they don't want to do. So this is a real patient doctor discussion that requires this approach. So does the way you lose weight impact metabolic health? So is there one way, you know, one of, we have lots of tools, but just, you know, if we're thinking about diet and exercise medications, does the way that you choose to lose it impact metabolic health? Is there a difference? Yeah. So it's not quite so clear uh, whether there are, so if you lose weight in general, it's the same whether you lose weight by surgery or lose weight by lifestyle therapy, but it's possible that some medications may have weight loss independent effects on improving your health. So if you lose weight by SGLT2 inhibitors, you seem to have an an increased benefit on cardiovascular disease and cardiovascular outcomes. It's not clear if that's the same for the GLP-1 receptor agonists, but that needs to be studied. By losing weight by GLP-1 receptor agonists, does that give you a better beneficial effect on cardiovascular outcomes than losing weight by diet uh, alone? And losing weight by diet alone is not the same as losing weight by diet and exercise, physical activity. We recently published a paper showing that if you lose 10% of your body weight by diet alone, compared with losing 10% of your body weight by diet and regular exercise, supervised exercise training, you double your insulin sensitivity in people who do it with exercise training. 
So you have a marked improvement in metabolic function if you lose weight with diet plus exercise than losing weight with diet alone. And then it comes to this question of what is exercise and how much should be done? And what really is one of my bugaboos is this recommendation of 150 minutes a week you know, that people should do. And you have a person who weighs 300 pounds, they can barely get out of a chair. And you're going to tell them, you know, go into 150 minutes a week of, of walking, brisk walking. That has to be individualized. So lifestyle intervention, including diet, as well as physical activity, has to be really individualized to the patient's ability uh, to conduct those interventions. Sam, I'm glad you mentioned exercises. You know, we've been very interested in that. And uh, in our work with the National Weight Control Registry, we've uh, consistently found that exercise is one of the best predictors, not of weight loss, but of long-term weight loss maintenance. And while I agree with you that you need to go slowly, if you haven't been off the couch in 20 years, uh, you're not going to go out and start exercising. Walk to the end of the driveway and back. But I do think that if we're going to be successful over the long term, we've got to dramatically increase the amount of physical activity that people are doing. Yeah, I think that's right. In fact, and so all of these interventions that we have now, except for lifestyle interventions, so the drug therapy, bariatric surgery, endoscopic therapies, none of them require exercise. And so that might be the, and so you could say there's no need for lifestyle therapy anymore when you have these other interventions. But they don't do exercise. So you might argue that exercise should be the focus of lifestyle intervention if you're losing weight with a GLP-1 agonist or other interventions. Good point. Um, Sam, are there people who should not lose weight? We get a lot of questions about older adults, and I've seen some things in the media suggesting that if you're older, and we can talk about what that is, it's probably the category you and I are in, but if you're an older adult, that you may lose more lean body mass. Are there people who shouldn't lose weight? No, who are obese. Yeah, who are obese, right, sorry. Yeah, probably not. Uh, in fact, in older adults, we have done studies and others as well, you improve physical, so in older adults, you're not so much treating people to reduce their metabolic risk so much because they're already 70 years old. They, they've shown they can withstand the adverse effects of obesity uh, on, meta, on their life, on their longevity. But what you do want to do is improve their quality of life and physical function. That's a major goal for them, in addition to improving their health, their medical health at the same time. And if you lose weight when you're an older adult, even though you have less muscle mass, um, and you lose muscle mass and lean body mass when you lose weight, your physical function still improves. And so the relationship, even though you lose muscle mass, the relationship between your muscle mass and your body weight is higher. That ratio is higher. Your physical function is better. And muscle mass is not a direct determinant of physical function. It's the quality of the muscle as well. I've never seen any study where people who have lost weight have decreased their physical function their ability to function. And so this hype about preserving lean body mass and having a really large attention to preserving muscle mass and lean body mass when you lose weight is really probably not clinically relevant. Wow, that's an important message, particularly for those in, uh, in, in my age range that want to lose weight, that it's likely going to benefit you. So, so don't pay attention to the hype that you shouldn't lose weight. Do it in the right way. Again, I think exercise, again, movement is important. I think you still need to think about the 
I always talk about the quality of the weight loss and try to make the quality of the weight loss the best possible, meaning make it as much body fat and and, and less muscle or lean tissue as possible. But I agree, it's not a reason not to to lose weight. But I do think then that kind of comes into using the exercise. And I also think using diet to help with that that the quality of the weight loss to get that best quality. And you, you, I mean, your study showed that, that when you added that, the activity to the diet, you got some additional benefits with that insulin sensitivity, right? So it does kind of matter. And that quality, there could be other things that you could lose the exact same amount of weight, but it could have a very different out, you know, outcome overall on you, depending on how you, you lost the weight. Right. So physical activity and exercise is very important because it improves physical function when you lose weight in people who are older adults. In fact, physical activity and exercise alone uh, gives you the same benefit in physical function as 10% weight loss without any weight loss. If you add 10% weight loss plus regular exercise, you increase it even further. And these are older adults, 75 and over have done it. But if you try to maintain weight loss with diet manipulation, you may, you may, uh, shoot yourself in the foot. We've shown that increasing protein intake, which reduces lean body mass or muscle loss, actually enhances insulin resistance with weight loss. And so you really have to balance these things. And remember, the difference in muscle mass between preserving muscle mass more with exercise or with uh, a high-protein diet, you're talking about 0.6 kilograms or one kilogram of, of lean body mass, which is trivial in terms of uh, it's statistically significant, but probably clinically insignificant. The physical function part, though, or the exercise part, not only does it preserve slightly your muscle mass, but it improves your ability to use your muscles and your muscle strength. And that's what's really critical about the physical function. Wow. Uh, amazing. And we're going to do a, a deeper dive into physical activity and exercise in future episodes. Sam, traditionally, a lot of people succeed in losing weight but many of them regain it. What happens metabolically if you lose weight and then regain it? Yeah, so this is a very controversial area. And, uh, and so what I say now will be um, dismissed by many experts in the field. <laughs> but if you lose weight, you benefit from that weight loss for that period of time. And then if you regain weight, you're really back to where you started from. You're not worse. You don't regain more fat than you lost before. You regain about the same but depending on which study you believe and which study you read. Uh, but the beneficial effect of having lost weight for that period of time is a beneficial effect. So having lost weight for one year or two years or even six months may give you beneficial metabolic and health effects that weren't there had you not lost the weight. So losing weight and regaining it, I think, is better than never having lost weight at all. As Shakespeare would say, is it better to have lost and regained or never to have lost at all? Wow, great point. Yeah, so I think it is better to have lost to regain, as a DPP study showed, where people you know, lost weight over four years and then they began to regain, but they still had a lower risk of type 2 diabetes 10 years out than those who were in the placebo group who never lost you know, at all. Sam, you're really in the, um, in the throes of a, a, a great scientific career. What excites you the most about your research right now? Retirement. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you still got a couple of good years. Come on. Okay. So, well, I'm hoping that there'll be um, uh, better therapies for hair restoration. <laughs> 
No, so the things that are interest me and my group uh, right now is really why does excess adiposity cause multi-organ system metabolic dysfunction? We really don't understand why fat, a lot of fat is bad. And we don't know why losing fat is good. We know that if you lose fat by sucking it out, you know, with liposuction is not beneficial. But if you lose fat by eating less calories and you burn up, that's very beneficial. And so why does adipose tissue cause so many problems in most people? Why are some people protected from the adverse effects of excess body fat? And then why does losing body fat cause so many uh, benefits to all the organ systems you know, combined? Well, you can't retire until you answer those questions. Sam. Yeah, years yeah. <laughs> and years and years. So Sam, it's time for the vulnerability question. We got to ask something that, that, gets, that gets at you. Oh, I got one too. So, well, let's, you go let's first? do both. I'll go first. All right. So, Sam, as I said, I've known you for many years. You and I go way back. And you've always been a slim guy. Is this genetics or do you have to work at it? So, I work at it. It's uh, and partially genetics. Growing up, you know, my mother couldn't stand the fact of how thin I was. And so, we had 15 course meals. Uh, every day, and you eat 5,000 calories, and she'd wonder why you weren't hungry uh, after dinner. So part of it is genetic, but also I work out. I watch what I eat. I exercise regularly. And you have to be constantly vigilant, but it's easier for me to do that, I think, than many people who are obese because they have other factors, psychological, neurological, chemical, environmental factors that drive them to be a higher body weight. And I can attest to that. I've seen Sam leave many important meetings to go to the gym. So he's serious about the exercise. Yeah. O only the boring meetings. <laughs> Hope NIH is not listening, Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right. laughs> so Sam, have you ever had to lose weight? Have you ever had to be in a negative energy balance for an extended period of time in your life? Yes. Yes, I did. This has happened in college. I was on the cross-country team and, you know, running and cross-country and thin, and I ate a huge amount of calories every day. I mean, huge amounts of calories, but I was flunking organic chemistry. And so I, I dropped off the team to focus on, and luckily in organic chemistry, if you did better in the final than you did in all your tests, you would get the grade of your final. Uh, so that was a good deal. So I, I stopped running and I gained a huge amount of weight on, on, in a short period of time by eating the same calories I did every day, but not exercising at all, which was serious exercise, you know, long distance running. And so that was the one time when I gained a lot of weight in a quick period of time, very sedentary uh, and, and studying every day. And I got an A minus in organic chemistry. Congratulations. So um, we always uh, end the, uh, the sessions with what Holly calls pie on the plate, not pie in the sky, but pie on the plate. So we've talked a lot about the metabolic benefits of weight loss. If you had a couple of messages to our listeners that, are, that, that have excess body weight and they may have a New Year's resolution to lose weight, what would you tell them? Yeah, so I think f uh, for really for most people, it's try to lose weight with lifestyle intervention first, but that's very hard to do without some expert support and expert help. And so I would really seek out a professional or professional group, a weight management center, weight management program uh, to do that. And the, before you really go into um, expensive drug therapy and considering barrier surgery, now, if you already tried all of that and failed, then you can go to the next step. But a little bit of weight loss is very good. Losing four or five percent of body weight will improve your health dramatically, potentially. 
Um, and you need to appreciate that that's not easy to do. And that's a successful goal and successful achievement. Losing more is probably even better depending on your medical uh, background and medical problems, but that's much more difficult to do and very hard to do with lifestyle therapy alone and would potentially require additional help with medications and potentially endoscopic or surgical therapy. Wow. Fantastic. Well, Sam, thanks. And again, thanks for all you've done in your career. You really have made a difference. Um, you've been an amazing colleague. Sam is, is, is lots of fun at dinners and parties, uh, but he really has been one of the leading obesity researchers for, for decades. So Sam, thank you for all you've done and thanks for being on our podcast. You're very kind. This is uh, another episode of Weight Loss And. We'll talk to you next time. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Weight Loss And. We hope you enjoy diving into the world of weight loss with us. If you want to stay connected and continue exploring the ands of weight loss, be sure to follow our podcast on your favorite platform. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or topic suggestions by reaching out at weightlossand.com. Your feedback helps us tailor future episodes to your needs. And remember, the journey doesn't end here. Keep applying the knowledge and strategies you've learned and embrace the power of the and in your own weight loss journey.